0: Well, good morning, church family. Good to have everyone here as we gather for worship on this December 26th, and for all of us to be together, uh, I hope that you had an incredible Christmas and thankful for us to be able to be together. I want to take this time, we're going to introduce to you Chris Flora, who's a pastor at Multiply Church, our partner church, uh, church plant there in Calgary, and uh, we've got a Zoom that is scheduled, and... I think that he should be coming on. But uh, just to let you know a little bit about Multiply Church, we started partnering with them uh, back in 2017. We made a three-year commitment to uh, come alongside Multiply Church uh, and uh, just to, to partner with them as they began their church. They launched in February of 2018. And Pastor Chris Floor and his family had moved up there. Uh, He's brought staff in. They've been meeting in a movie theater all of these years, and they've got some good news to be able to share with us. And Chris, can you hear me? Okay, now we can't hear you. You got your, there you go. You got it off mute. There you go. Chris, can you hear us?
1: Yes, can you hear Uh, me?
0: Yes, all right, good. Well, Chris, man, welcome to Emmaus this morning. Uh, This morning, uh, you guys are an hour behind us. I'm going to look up here at the camera so that uh, you can see my face, but uh, Chris, Merry Christmas to you and your family, and thankful for you to be able to be here uh, joining us. Uh, I want to ask you, Chris, tell us a a brief history about Multiply Church and uh, your experience there in Calgary, Canada.
1: Sure. So uh, in 2016, uh, my wife and I sensed a call to go plant a church in Calgary. We investigated uh walked through the NAM process and everything that goes along with being a church planter because I was a youth pastor before with no plans of planting a church. Uh, we moved in 2017 to Calgary, and for 13 months, we gathered a core group of 28 people, and that's what we launched Multiply Church with in February of 2018. And then for the next two years, uh, we just kept growing. Uh, God blessed, and things happened, and so... Uh, We had finally gotten to the point right before COVID, so kind of the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, um, we were actually, we met with a Christian businessman who owned a complex, um, like 40 different businesses in this shopping mall area, and he had some open restaurants on the first floor, and we were meeting with him because it was either uh, try and run multiple services in the movie theater, which with their time constraints would be pretty tough, or Uh, find a bigger venue is kind of where we were at and so um, he showed us a couple places we couldn't afford it and then COVID came and so we in Canada it was a little more strict than in the U.S. and so we hit this kind of lockdown mode and uh, it really shaved us down so we went from our theater being people sitting in the stairs because we ran out of chairs to uh, trying to just hope we can meet again in person we finally started meeting again in person uh, just I don't know maybe five months ago and so Uh, for almost half of our church's life, we met online. So we kind of perfected the online thing and did everything we could to stay in contact with our people. Uh, So uh, in a land where they told me pastoral visits don't really work, I became the doorstep king and just started visiting people. So uh, as we've come back together, we've had a lot of restrictions on how many people can gather. So we kind of break the rules almost every week with how many people we have gathered versus what our size capacity should allow. Um, and anyways, uh, that opened up a conversation, that same Christian businessman had a different space, about 7,500 square feet, uh, that he wanted to basically gift us. And so long story short, uh, we've been able to work out during COVID, uh, a permanent place where we can be 24 seven, seven days a week, it's Multiply Church's home, and it's going to cost us the same as what we were paying for four hours a week with the theater. And Man. so it's a huge blessing huge opportunity uh, but it doesn't come without some some risk and the risk was we had to renovate the inside so uh, we've basically got it all gutted and we're currently waiting on permits and then we'll be able to move into our new space hopefully in the next two or three months uh, as construction starts and finishes it shouldn't take too long but um, it does need to happen So.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the, the big picture. Awesome. Well, Chris, and one of the things we've talked about, our last team was down there in or up in Calgary in 2019. But one of the things that we do want to do is they get all their permits, uh, probably into February, first of March, and we'll kind of watch that timeline. But I would love for us to have a team from Emmaus to be able to go up. And help uh, be be able to do light construction work there in this facility uh, Where we will be building uh, some stage uh, painting Helping put carpet squares down Different things like that that could help them uh, to be able to get there I'd love for us to have a team to come up And Chris and I have talked about that So uh, I want to announce that to you this morning That uh, if you're interested in going Now one of the things will be, Chris, is uh, Everybody's going to need to be fully vaccinated And be able to go into Canada, Correct Yes. Okay. Yeah, you have to have
1: both the both the shots or proof or whatever, and you have to do uh, COVID tests right now before and after. So. Right. So. Uh, But it is possible.
0: Yeah. So we're going to want to be able to to do that, and I want to invite your church family uh, to be praying about that opportunity for us to be able to go. And then another thing that's taken place, Chris, since we were last, you and I had a conversation there in Calgary in 2019 about a new venture that you were starting personally and you started training, I believe in 2019. And tell us what you're doing now besides pastoring Multiply Church.
1: Yeah. So, uh, when you're a church planter, apparently you're restless, never knew that, but, uh, yeah, God, uh, laid it on our heart to kind of move a certain direction. So now I work as a police officer in the city of Calgary full time. And uh, yeah, that's uh, been an incredible ministry opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you guys, you've been able to engage with other officers, uh, just the Mm -hmm. opportunity to engage in community. And Chris, we're excited about how God's been at work in your heart and your faithfulness to serving him, also serving your community in that way. And uh, Chris, is there anything that we can particularly be praying for you guys uh, as you go into 2022?
1: Yeah, uh, as a church, obviously, it's the, uh, the moving into the new building and the opportunities that presents. Uh, so we have, we have lots of opportunity to host other ministries and nonprofits. We've actually got uh, two counseling practices that are Christian-based that are going to rent office space from us to help with our rent costs. Uh, so that's pretty neat. But just figuring out how to best utilize the space to serve the community around us um, and what that looks like and how it's going to take shape and who's going to lead it in different aspects. Um, there's just a lot of questions, but they're actually really good questions. We don't have problems, we have opportunities. Um, on a family level, uh, we're, we're entering that phase where we have a teenager and another soon-to-be teenager and trying to navigate uh, homeschool options and private school options and public school options and sports and, and just the, the scheduling of our lives is, uh, is pretty crazy with four kids, as anybody with kids knows. And uh, just trying to navigate uh, what's best for them in the midst of uh, all the things that are going on in our lives is really a good way to pray for us.
0: Oh, all right. All right. Chris, we want to pray for you. And thanks for giving up your time this morning. I know you kind of head oh. off because the movie theater wouldn't let you guys meet today. And uh, but thankful for you taking time to spend with us here this morning. Let's pray uh, for Chris uh, together. Father, we thank you so much for how you're at work at Multiply Church there in Calgary. God, for lives that are being changed and how you've been with them all along the way. And during this uh, pandemic, when they had to go online, God, just thank you for your faithfulness Uh, for how you continue to show yourself to them uh, through different means. God, I thank you for the opening up of this space that's become available to them that will allow them to be able to use it as they see uh, need and be able to meet needs and care for and minister in the community. God, I thank you for the partnerships that they have. I thank you for what Chris is doing as a police officer there in Calgary. And God, I pray that you would be with him as he cares for uh, not only his family but in the community and for his church family. God, we pray that you would be with the Flora family. I thank you for Chris and Mindy and their kids and pray that you would be with them in this busy, busy season of life as they navigate school and sports activities and and jobs and church and all that's going on. God, I pray that you would just be with them every step of the way. And and, uh, God, I thank you for the partnership that we're able to share with them and uh, how exciting it is to see how you're at work there in Calgary. God, we pray that people would come to know you as Lord and Savior. I thank you for Chris's faithfulness, and I pray that you would be with Multiply Church, be with Emmaus, that we would just continue to be faithful to how you desire to use us here and and around the world. We love you, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Chris, God bless you. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Love you. All right. See you, man all right yeah. well church family uh i am so thankful for chris and and uh and i want to say this i'm thankful for all of our partnerships that we have uh around the world and how uh, uh as the as things open back up and we try to continue to navigate uh basically we've gone through a season here where we've not sent a team out since 2019 i think pastor Owen and i were down in panama at the beginning of 2020 Uh, to uh, look forward to uh, trying to get a team into Panama. Uh, But uh, we look forward to what God has in store for us in 2022. And I want to ask you to be praying how you can uh, uh, be participating, whether it's through uh, praying, whether it's through giving, going, uh, to be able to go as we serve and we tell others about Jesus here and around the world. Uh, Church family, I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to uh, John chapter 1. Uh, I, I I don't know but you know Owen confessed uh, Christmas Eve night that he's not a great gift giver and uh, I think it runs among the staff apparently because I am horrible as well uh, and uh, uh, don't ask Brooke uh, any of the details but uh, you would be appalled uh, I have found out that I can get a gift worth so much and then she can return it and get whatever uh, she would like uh, and uh, you know whether I could, I could find a really ugly outfit uh, that cost about you know this much money, and she could just take it back and get what she wants and all of that. So uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I, I was going to ask this morning uh, if anybody had their gift uh, that they received yesterday, if they were wearing it. Then I got to thinking, I don't know how many dads got socks and underwear, so I thought I better not ask that question. Uh, so I don't know what you've done with your gifts uh, from yesterday. Maybe you were really excited about a gift. Maybe uh, you were disappointed. Whatever the case is. Here, as we celebrate Christmas, more important than gifts we've received, we've received an incredible gift through Jesus Christ, uh, the babe in the manger. And and, uh, in fact, in John, in the Gospel of John, in in the book of John, I'm thankful for uh, what John writes. In fact, uh, we're going to look at John chapter 1, but I want to quote John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, and I believe it's on the screen here. So then, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples— which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John witnessed three years of stories, sermons, conversations, and he didn't include everything that he had experienced, but he selected certain ones that would help others believe. And we have this in his word today. In fact, uh, what does it mean uh, that Jesus is the Christ? Think about this. Christ is not Jesus' last name. People uh, would have identified Jesus as Jesus the Nazarene or Jesus uh, the carpenter's son. Christ is a title that Jesus has been given. Christ is a title that's synonymous with Messiah. And Messiah is a term with uh, roots that we're going to find in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament focuses on one called Messiah who God would send. And by the time that Jesus comes onto the scene, Uh, The nation of Israel has been waiting for centuries for the Messiah to come. In fact, as we uh, share this morning from John 1, I think in the eyes of a lot of the Israelites, the Jews, their idea of a Messiah was something completely different. In fact, we see after the feeding of the 5,000, one of the things that uh, they immediately wanted to do is Jesus was afraid they were going to take him by force to make him king, to, to make him the leader and ruler, uh, and he slipped away uh, to, to be able to get it. Their idea of what a Messiah would be was totally uh, different than what we see here. And Turn to John chapter 1, and I want us to kind of camp out in these verses here. Uh, this morning, I'm going to share some other verses with you uh, as we go along. But in John chapter 1, verses 1-3, through 3, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, not anything made that was made. He came to a people who were waiting for the Christ. They were waiting for their Messiah. And when John identifies Jesus as, as the Christ... He's not saying that he needs to acknowledge, he's not telling them that they just simply need to acknowledge Jesus as the one who's called Messiah. He's desiring for them to believe that Jesus is the one who would fulfill all of the promises that are given in the Old Testament to his people. The promises of God to to the entire Old Testament together, they all center on the person of Jesus. And so today, here, December the 26th, after we've celebrated Christmas, my question to us is, what is it that we are going to do with the gift that has been given to us? I think the same question that was given to those who were uh, around when Jesus was born on the face of the earth, that same question still exists for us today. What is it that we are going to do with this gift, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah? You know, the Old Testament, it's not just a collection of of stories, But it's rather, it's, it's one story. Uh, it's a single story, God creating man, man rebelling against God, and God sending his son to reconcile man back to God. And John's saying that we must believe in this person, Jesus, all of the promises come true in who he is. And some of the promises in the Old Testament are this. You find it in Genesis chapter 3. Mankind has sinned against God, and Adam and Eve are learning about the consequences of their sin. And in the midst of their punishment, God promises to send a son born from the seed of a woman who would fix everything that sin had broken. In fact, Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. In fact, another passage in, in the Old Testament, in Psalm 2, we find the promise that Christ will end all injustice and rebellion. That Christ will come uh, and put an end of it, an end to it, uh, to their reign of all oppression. He will judge them for their wickedness, and only those who run to Him will find mercy. In Isaiah 53, we find the promise of the suffering servant, God's servant, the Christ will be perfectly righteous. He will be the only person who never sins. But he will be punished and he will be killed. He will willingly offer his life as a sacrifice for our sins. And I love what it says, and I believe it's in Luke 9.51, when Jesus is is traveling and he goes to Jerusalem, and it says that he resolutely set his eyes on Jerusalem, knowing full well what was in store for him as he went into Jerusalem. He intentionally went to Jerusalem knowing that he was going to go and give his life as a ransom for our sins. And then in the prophet Daniel records a vision of God ruling in heaven in Daniel chapter 7. In his vision, one who looks like a man comes before God and God gives him a kingdom that never ends. His eternal kingdom is also universal. includes people of every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. So when John says that we need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, he's making this incredible statement. We need to believe that Jesus is the one who will fix all brokenness. In fact, he's calling us to repentance, repentance from our sins and trusting and turning to him. He's the one who's going to end tyranny and oppression. He's going to want be the one who reigns forever as king of kings and lord of lords. And he's going to also be the one who will willingly give his life so that we can be forgiven and reconciled back to God. So John not only does he make the claim that Jesus is the promised Messiah, but he also makes this claim that Jesus is God. That's a huge claim. I was recently in Shreveport, Louisiana, and by the way, you guys gave me a sabbatical during the month of October, and I just want to tell our church thanks and. During that time, I was able to do a little bit of traveling, and I was in Shreveport, and and, an Uber driver picked me up, and I had him taking me to a a location there, and we just started having a conversation. and And he began to get in this conversation, and he said, No, we pray to the same God, right? And I said, Well, it depends on what you mean by the same God. I knew where he was going with the question, and I think he knew where I was, but there was this difference of opinion of praying to the same God. And I said, I firmly believe that Jesus is God. And, and then he kind of went nuts, and I thought, that probably wasn't the best thing to say with him driving and me in the back seat. And uh, no, and no, 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 Jesus is just a teacher. Jesus is just a man. I said, I'm sorry, but I... I believe that God's word says that he is God and he's the one that reconciles us with a holy God. And he was so frustrated and we pulled up in front of this place and and I was glad to get out, he was glad I got out and all of that. But at the same time, there is this idea of of people wanting to say that that God is the same. Now when we come to celebrate Jesus' birth, We're recognizing Jesus as God. That's a huge statement that that John makes here. You know, we live in a culture that's increasingly uh, hesitant to commit to saying that there is one absolute truth. Because to many uh, in society, Jesus was just a philosopher. He was just a good man with important things to say. He was another teacher, another prophet uh, who would come and point us towards God. But when John says in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, talking about Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, he was in the beginning with God, talking about Jesus. So in verse 1, Jesus Jesus has given us this incredible title in John chapter 1, the Word. And the Gospel of John begins with this phrase that sounds familiar, that we're familiar with, from Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So you see this identity in John chapter 1, that Jesus is named the Word and that it existed before time. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John is connecting Jesus with creation in John chapter 1, claiming And saying that Jesus existed before creation. Jesus existed before the world began. Before there was time, Jesus was. In fact, Jesus existed before creation. He existed before the world began, before there was time. In John 17, verse 5, John says this. And now, Father, talking about Christ. Now, Father, glorify me in your your own presence with the glory that I had with you Before the world existed. So John in John chapter 1 is making this proclamation that Jesus is God. Fully God, fully man, has come incarnate here on the face of the earth. Jesus has always existed and Jesus shares his nature and being with God. He's fully human, fully God. Everything that can be said about God can be said about Jesus. Uh, Jesus as the second person of the Trinity, he is the full image of the expression of the Father. He is fully God. So when we think about this gift that we've received in this babe, fully God, fully human, and along with the Father and the Spirit, the Son fully equally shares that divine nature. The Son is fully God. This babe in the manger that we celebrate is fully God. And in fact, thinking about this, this incarnation Meaning that Jesus is fully God and fully man. In John 1:14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So in this small manger there in Bethlehem, the eternal Son of God became a man. And we can hold to this truth called the Incarnation, even if we can't comprehend what all of that means that Jesus, this baby, was fully God and fully man. He did not empty himself of divinity. I believe that when we read through Scripture, its his divinity is hidden from those who see him. But he is fully God and fully man. David Mathis says this, The incarnation refers literally to the enfleshing of the eternal Son of God, Jesus, putting on our flesh and our blood and becoming fully human. So in John 1:14, when he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, the word refers to Jesus Himself as God. Became flesh doesn't mean that he was no longer God. He didn't forsake his divine nature. Rather, he became a man by taking on human nature in addition to his divine nature. So I love what John's saying here in John chapter 1, verse 1, and then John uh, verse 14. So here in this small manger in Bethlehem, the eternal Son of God became a man. And Jesus dwelt with us for 33 years. In fact, the Apostle Paul affirms this reality in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So Jesus, as he walked the earth for those 33 years, fully God fully human and I've got to tell you and, and remind us that is good news. That's good news. Why would God become this baby in a manger? Because if Jesus didn't become fully human, he couldn't be tempted. If he couldn't he couldn't sympathize with our weaknesses, he couldn't assure us of any victory that we could have over sin. Jo- Jesus came as a baby in the flesh, and he was fully human. If Jesus didn't become fully human, he could not be an example to us in living out our lives today. If Jesus didn't become fully human, he couldn't have died. We can't look at the manger without looking at the cross and and looking at the sacrifice that Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. Think about this, imagine living in John's day as a devout Jew, and you're told that this baby Is the Messiah and in your mind for 400 years they've not heard a word from the Lord or anything and 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 been waiting for God to be able to announce himself but in their mind the idea of who the Messiah would be was completely different than how he came they fully believed that the Messiah was going to come back and reign and rule and be able to take out Roman rule and that he would be leading and would be in charge the coming of Jesus is not the beginning of the gospel story. Uh, it's, it's not the beginning of the gospel story. It's, it's, some people are going to think, I just totally messed that up. I just totally messed that up. The coming of Jesus is not a second part of the story. This isn't, Jesus, this isn't God fixing what happened in Genesis chapter 3 with the brokenness and the, and, and the sin. This isn't Jesus' uh, a, a, a plan B. This has been God's plan all along, that he, would know, he knew that his perfect creation was going to fall. And that his intention, his purpose, was to be able to send Jesus. In fact, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us, who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Jesus came to earth to die for the sins of the world. Jesus came to the earth to die for our sins, for your sins, for my sins. Fully God, fully human. I love what Lance Ford says. He says, if mission defines who Christ is, and if Christ sends us as he was sent, then mission defines who we are. Think about this. I think there are a lot of people who are really trying to discover who this Jesus is. In fact, I think that a lot of people, I firmly believe that people are being discipled on a daily basis. I went to a coffee shop recently and I, I intentionally left my phone in the car, had no communication with the outside world and I thought I'm just gonna go sit in this coffee bar or co- coffee shop and, and as I sat there, uh, realizing they didn't have any t- television uh, so that you could kind of watch something, Uh, They had no newspapers, no magazines, so I awkwardly sat in this coffee shop drinking a cup of coffee, and everybody else had a a laptop or whatever. I think they thought, man, who is this guy? He's he's kind of freaky over there just kind of staring at the wall. And, uh, And what I realized was, you know what? You and I, we are constantly being discipled whether we like it or not. We are constantly being discipled. And church family, I want to encourage us, that as we go about our daily lives, that we would be reminded of whose we are. And that what's, what we are allowing to be able to pour into our lives, we're allowing it to be God's Word that's influencing our lives, and not uh, uh, social media, not our phones, not uh, all of this information that's coming in at us at, at one time. And, and I believe that there are people who are wondering... Uh, if this Jesus is who he says he is. In fact, I'm reminded of this in the Great Commission, and, I, and I'm going to ask you, as a church family, I've, I've shared this story, and I'm going to ask for your forgiveness if you've heard it again, but I firmly believe this is something that God is just been working on my heart and dealing with me and my heart as we look at reaching out into the community and as we look at how we engage uh, with the lost around the world. But in the Great Commission, a a scripture passage that we're all familiar with, in Matthew 28, verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And verse 17 says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then we're, we're very familiar with verses 18 uh, through 20 there. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Church family, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Just as Jesus came to reconcile us to him, He has passed that ministry on to us. Uh, In fact, uh, I've heard it called incarnational evangelism, that the very thing that Jesus came to do for us, we are simply a reflection of what he's come to do for us in our lives. Uh, And and I've shared this story, and I'm going to share it again because it has had a profound impact in my life. Uh, This last uh, fall, uh, in August... Uh, I got a text from my brothers that uh, uh, a young man by the name of Robbie had passed away. We grew up with Robbie. I grew up in a boy's home out by Amarillo, 40 miles outside of Amarillo. Uh, I was going to pull it up on Google Earth just so you could see how desolate it is out there. Brooke says, you like it out here? And I said, I love it out here. You can see for miles and all of that. Guys would run away and they'd come back because they couldn't find Amarillo. Uh, And... um, I, I, I will never forget this. In fact, I loved Christmas out there. The guys would get to go home for two weeks, for 10 days. And those who didn't have family, they would stay with us. And uh, they would open up this ranch. It was a 10,000-acre ranch. We had horses. And so we could go check out a horse, and we could ride it all day long. We could go to the dining hall, and they did steak and shrimp for dinner and steak and eggs for breakfast. And, and it, was, it, was, it was just a lot of fun to be there, and they tried to make it really special. Robbie spent every Christmas with us, and this was my first experience with Robbie. Um, My mother was a house parent with uh, uh, boys 10 years old and younger, so up until I was about 12 years old. And uh, I remember uh, there was an office staff uh, came over with uh, Robbie and his mother. They walked to the back of our dorm. We were right across the street from the uh, administrative offices there at Boys Ranch. And uh, we were going to meet this new boy who was coming to live with us in this dorm. Uh, And so it was me, my three brothers, ten other guys uh, that lived in this dorm. And uh, I'll never forget, exchanges were made of who this was and introduced my mom, introduced me. And it was time for Robbie uh, to say goodbye to his mother. And I was probably about 12 years old, and this was the first time I'd ever understood what it was that my parents did as house parents there at this boy's home. This boy's, Robbie's mother looked at him, and I'm standing three or four feet away from him, and she looks at him and she says, I never want to see you again. And she she handed him a paper sack, and she turned around and walked away. I'm 12 years old. I know that's not normal. And I remember my mother taking Robbie, and she says, come on, hon, and she turned around and she we walked back into the dorm. His mother lived 40 miles away in Amarillo. She never saw him the whole time he grew up. And uh, I asked my mom just recently, we never talked about it. I said, mom, can I ask you, uh, Robbie passed away in August. What was that? What was going on? She said he always wanted the love of his mother. And the reason I tell you this story is when I read in Robbie's obituary that he had trusted Christ as personal Lord and Savior, and I'm thankful for that. But it reminds me of this. We are walking daily in a world that desperately needs Jesus. We're walking in a world of people who desperately have stories like Robbie's. There are a lot of whys out there as to why they might think about, like Matthew 28:17, where it says that some worshipped and some doubted. These were people who walked with Jesus. These were people who saw Jesus. And it wasn't a doubt of unbelief. It was a doubt of hesitancy. Is he who he says he is? Church family, we have the ministry of reconciliation given to us. And we have the opportunity to be able to go and be a reflection of who Christ is. And there, a lost and dying world's experience, what the holy God, fully God, fully human, happens through us pointing them to him who can make a difference in their lives. And you know what? Every person that we come into contact with has a story. If somebody's doubting and you're frustrated with them, they have a story as to why. Last Sunday, we went and passed out Christmas meal bags. We went to over 300 homes, apartment homes, senior adult living areas, and we knocked on, I know it was over uh, 300 doors, we gave probably 177 meal bags away. And I asked all of our church family who was going, if you would, just to take time and to ask how we can pray for them. In my conversations, I met a dad and his daughter. She was 19 and they, this was their first Christmas to be able to spend together as, as father and daughter. And Charles just said, you know, just pray that I would be a good dad. That reconciliation would take place in that relationship. And he was so open to us praying for him and his daughter right there in the middle of that apartment complex. Another young man, we went over and we went to another apartment complex and I said, hey, this is a Christmas meal bag. Can you use this? We would love to have you you to have this as a gift from our church. And he says, I'm an atheist. And I said, that's okay. That's okay. I said, we want you to be able to have this as a gift from Emmaus. And we want you to know that Jesus loves you. And he took the Christmas meal bag and he went back into his apartment. He didn't put up a fight. He didn't put up anything. Church family, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And as we go and engage on a daily basis in our circle of influence, God has given us the calling to be able to tell others about him. Uh, I'm thankful for a holy God who loved us enough to see that he would send his son who would live a perfect life and that he would be tempted in every way, somebody that we could be able to lean into and to go to and to be able to, to trust in as Lord and Savior. And, and for all of us as we gather here on this December the 26th, heading into 2022, who knows what's in front of us? But I will say this, I think about what God has for you and for me. And I think it's simply this, that he wants us to look to him fully God, how he has come to offer forgiveness of our sins, and it's not just for us to know who Jesus is. It's not just for us to be able to say that he is fully God, fully human. It's for us to be able to repent of our sins and to be able to trust him as Lord and Savior of our lives. I don't know where anybody is right now in your spiritual. I pray that as we gather together there are people who are on fire for how God's at work in their lives. But there may be some people here t- this morning that are struggling with doubt. That are struggling with I I really want to be able to see Jesus for who he is in my life. And you're coming here this morning and there may be some hurt. And you're worried about 2022 or you're looking at this, what is it? And I'm just going to ask us that we just repent of our sins and we trust in him fully as Lord and Savior and that we would not back down from that. God has great things in store for us as we place our eyes and our faith in him. And I don't know what God has in store for us in 2022 except to trust him fully. That you and I, that we would go into this next year and that we would just simply say, God, whatever, however you desire to use me, I'm ready to be used. And I know that you uh, have, have been born as a baby. You intended to, to go to the cross. You died on the cross for my sins. And then I'm placing my faith in you. I'm repenting of my sins, and I'm trusting in you as Lord and Savior. I, I think about this. Um, you know, COVID's been a, this has been a hard time. Uh, and uh, we've got a grief share class that meets on Wednesday nights, and there's probably 19 of us in there. Uh, people who have lost loved ones through COVID, and uh, it's been really a really uh, healing time of just being together. In fact, we're meeting through the holidays intentionally. I want to invite you, if you're struggling with that, to come join us on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock over here uh, in room 200. But uh, I'll never forget this. One of uh, our widow ladies that's coming is uh, Selinda Ferguson, and they are neighbors of, our, of Brooke and I's uh, two doors down. And I'll never forget, uh, uh, we saw an ambulance in front of their house a year year and a half ago. And uh, I saw, I walked over and I saw the firemen. They were meeting with Jerry on the front porch. And this was in the height of COVID and everything. And Jerry had COVID. And uh, they loaded him into the ambulance. And this was my last interaction with Jerry. Jerry was a faithful servant around here. Jerry was an incredible neighbor. He mowed his yard way too much every day and uh, uh, all of this. But I'll never forget, I, I looked up at Jerry. He was in the, in the, uh, the bed uh, of the ambulance. And I said, Jerry, I want you to know we love you and we're praying for you. And he goes, I'm going to be okay, Jimbo. Jerry went to be with the Lord. You know why Jerry's okay? Because he had repented of his sins and he trusted Jesus as Lord. Man, I pray that every one of us, as we look at 2022, that we would just simply submit our lives to Him. I think that's the best way that we can enter into a new year. Pray with me. Father, we love You. We thank You for what it means that Jesus came as a baby. We thank You for what it means that He was fully human, but fully God. And God, the sacrifice that He made on the cross for our sins. I pray that every one of us today, as we leave this place, as we go into 22, as, uh, as we go uh, in our circle of influence, wherever it is that we go, God, that we would trust you, that we would be a minister of reconciliation to those around us, and that we would continue to point people to you. They w- we would tell them about your incredible love for them. God, use us in incredible ways, and may we just give all of this to you for your glory. And God, that you would be at work, that you would be changing lives, and if there's a life here this morning that needs to be changed, God, I pray that they would be bold and just simply submit to you. We love you, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.